It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. The, the, the winds of change are blowing through Raider Nation and Silver and Black Today keeps you up to date with the latest news and views about your Las Vegas Raiders. Touchdown Las Vegas! With insight, opinions, and interviews. We're on the cutting edge of what's happening now. Now, now with the latest on your Raiders and the NFL. Your host, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moten. Welcome back. It is time for Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast also you are listening to us on The Bet in Las Vegas on the radio. Yes, Odyssey has radio stations in Las Vegas, five of them, and they're very successful, by the way. And uh, we're glad to be on the air there as well. And I say we because my partner in crime here, Mo Moten, he's the senior NFL writer at Bleacher Report, also Raiders columnist at SportsNot.com, where you can also catch my stuff. Yeah, I work there. I do some video. I do a little writing. I do a little bit of that. But you need to follow Mo on the X, on X.com, M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. For those watching, Mo's giving you an X with his hands. That's nice. It's better than the alternative. You can also follow me on X.com at LV Gully, and the show is SNB today. All right, Mo, uh, guess what? There's whispers. There's things happening out there. Uh, the fallout of Sunday night's brutal loss... And I say brutal not because of the score, but because of how they lost and how they performed. The loss to the Steelers. Things are starting to get a little weird here as we do uh, uh, this Raiders season. Only week three. I thought the drama wouldn't start till I don't know, maybe week 10, eh, eight, nine, something like that. Here we are, week three. Chargers coming up this weekend in Los Angeles. And uh, there's a lot of stuff going on, a lot of whispers, a lot of uh, reports from insiders, including our good friend Hondo Carpenter over at SI, who uh, has gotten some heat from his readers that I can tell, uh, but good for him for doing what he's supposed to do, which is be objective, and uh, saying that, hey, no, Josh McDaniels hasn't lost the locker room, but there's some stuff going on and it might be down the road. Uh, Mo, have you seen this stuff? What are you thinking is going on here? It's not a surprise, is it? Look, I'm out here on the other side of the country, minding my own business. I didn't hear any. I haven't heard any whispers. If you haven't noticed, I haven't been active on social media because I've been preparing for my own shows. But let's be honest here. If your team goes one and two, losing two consecutive games after, you know, a lot of people wanted Josh McDaniels out after last year. If you blew five double-digit second-half leads last year, you bring in certain guys that are no longer on the roster after you've given them contracts. People have already been questioning Josh McDaniels. So it wasn't going to take till week eight or nine for the whispers and the and the things to start, people to start chirping. It was going to happen as soon as they had back-to-back losses, which has happened. Now, let them, be, let them not be competitive against the Chargers. If the Raiders get blown out, in their, at, in their second home in Los Angeles, you want to talk about whispers and chirping and things going on? You wait and see what happens if, the, if that's a blowout game. 
Well, and it's interesting because I, I, what Hondo said, and there's some others who have said it too, and I'll get to some of these comments from some national pundits as well. Uh, he's right. And it's, it's exactly what we were saying on our show on Tuesday and what Murph and I said on the postgame show on Sunday night or early Monday morning, East Coast time, uh, was that you now have this sample size of games. Josh McDaniels has coached 20 games for the Las Vegas Raiders. And uh, what are you seeing? Are you seeing improvement? Well, you should not, in my view, you should not have your worst performance in game 20 as a coach. I mean, plain and simple, right? I mean, you get you get better as time goes on. And so the whole field goal fiasco, all of that stuff has gotten us to this place. So there's this chatter out there. There's this talk about it. Uh, and again, the players aren't saying this. And, 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 and exa- exactly what he said, that he hasn't lost the locker room. Not yet, okay? But clearly there's some troubling signs. The Devontae Adams comments, which... By the way, on Wednesday, I'm going to read this to you, Mo, too, because you probably haven't seen it yet. But the, the, the transcript from it um, is that, you know, Vinny Bonsignor, a good friend who was just on a couple weeks ago, asked him about, hey, you, you're a leader. You have to say tough things sometimes. Uh, did what you say Sunday night resonate the way you needed to resonate? So obviously he knew he was talking to somebody. And Devontae Adams said, quote, for the uh, for the people that I needed it to, yes. The rest of the people, it's no surprise, it's no secret that I truly don't care what people think as long as people uh, know that it's intended to understand, who's intended to understand the message. And he goes on to specifically say that he wasn't talking to the coaches of the front office. He was talking to his fellow players. And he actually chastised us in the media a little bit and saying, you know, you guys take this. it's, It's not just the coach's fault. It's the team's fault, too. We're responsible for how we play on the field. So... And you would expect that out of a guy like Devontae Adams, who's who's an amazing dude and an amazing receiver. But nonetheless, the fact that you're having conversations like this in week three, Mo, that is never a good sign. It's never a good sign. And it again, I said this on, what was it, Tuesday, mm-hmm. that a lot of the things that we're hearing from Raiders players and coaches, we heard this last year. Yes, And I think Devontae Adams kind of said, we had all last year to figure it out. He said, I'm not, I don't have time to go through a whole season and figure it out now. And that's what that's the comment basically that media outlets are hanging on to say Devontae Adams might ask out before the trade deadline. I don't think he's there yet. I think if he if it was at that point, if he gets silent, I, I just want to give people just a quick parallel analogy here. When you're in a relationship, right? Usually when your partner screams at you, shows they care, right? When you have to worry is when they go silent. When you do certain things and no reaction. They've already checked out. When Devontae Adams has nothing to say at the podium or in front of a microphone or two reporters, I think that's when you have to worry because that's when you worry about, oh, no, is he checked out? Is he not bought in anymore? Because I think right now he's still bought into the process and saying, look, I'm going to do my best to make this thing work. But if he goes silent after a loss, that's when you should worry about him wanting to leave. Exactly. And and you're hearing these conversations and that's what it is. And you can't you know, I'm not going to bring them on the show. Some of the things that I have heard from people locally in Las Vegas around the team, because I can't verify them. So it would be irresponsible for, for me to do it because otherwise it's just chatter. But some of the other points that are being made here about to your, to your exact point, which is heard this last year. Well, we got to get better. Well, when are you going to get better? If you're going to get better, then you should have gotten better already. You supposedly needed to blow guys out in order to improve your roster. You got, quote unquote, your guys in 
and the results aren't better. Now, I know it's only week three. Now, if they go down and beat the Chargers and play a good game, some of this will be forgotten for a little bit, right? But it's a recency. I, I keep telling people they're one in five in the last six games dating back to last year. That is not that is not a good, um, I think, indication that things are going the way. And you hear, you read Hondo's story from today up on SI.com about how um, guys are getting tired of working so hard and saying, hear the process or keep the process, stay to the process, trust the process, and the process isn't working. So imagine, Mo, I tell you, hey, you just got to keep doing this on the podcast and we're going to be good. And then the podcast just languishes and languishes and we don't get any more new listeners and there's no new revenue coming in and all this jazz. You kind of start to say, hey, wait, Scott, dude, um, I've been doing everything we're supposed to do and it's not working. You know what this reminds me of? And I think I've said this before. This reminds me of Matt Patricia in Detroit. I don't know if you remember, but Matt Patricia almost lost the locker room within the first three weeks of the season one year because Detroit players were starting to complain. We're spending all these extra hours putting in work, and we're not seeing the results. Anytime you have players go to the extra yard and they're not seeing the results, you're going to get people chirping. You're going to get pushback. I'm not saying the players have said anything to me, but you get that's human nature. If you're not seeing results, you get upset, especially if you're putting in a whole lot of work. The other thing I want to say is you said the Raiders are one and five in the last six games. I'll, I'll take it one step further. Josh McDaniel's record, he's 18 and 30 as a head coach. 18 and 30. You know what that is? That's about 37, 38% win percentage. Mm. That's not, <clears throat> I understand, he, you know, he had a stint in Denver and that was over a decade ago. I understand that. But since he's been with the Raiders, what's his record been? What is that, seven and 13? Seven and 13. So uh, he, he's he's almost doubled his wins with losses, almost. If he loses to the Chargers, seven and 14, double amount of losses as he has wins. At some point, players are going to question it. I don't know if you remember this guy, but remember I asked Brian Baldogan when he went on, when he came on with us the first time before the draft? I said, at what point do the players start to tune you out? At what point, how many times do you have to lose before a player starts to say, this guy ain't it as a head coach? And we've had this question plenty of times. Is Josh McDaniel just a good play caller, offensive coordinator? Can he be a leader of men? And mm. so far, the question is still out. The jury is still out because his team, again, losing twice as his, his Raiders team, losing twice as many games as they win under on his watch. Yeah, and, and with a couple minutes we have left uh, before this first break, Mo. And, and by the way, coming up after the break, Mo's going to jump out and Ryan Dirud from the L.A. football Network's going to join me to talk about the Chargers, and then Mo will be back for the third segment. Uh, but, um, you know, you look at the situation with Jimmy Garoppolo, too, right? And you were very vocal about this uh, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday, and you should be, and, and we still should be, which is, it's a flop so far. It's an absolute flop. You cannot find any silver lining there. I don't care about a good touchdown pass or a good pass here or the first down run that he had against Denver. Great stuff. Okay, fine. But overall, what you did, you got rid of a quarterback. Okay, fine. You, no problem with that. That's a decision you made. That's good. You bring in Jimmy Garoppolo instead of Moe's guy, Baker Mayfield, and uh, and it's flopped. And now now he's hurt again in, in week three. Okay? So who owns that? I told you, Mo. do you remember the show before the season started? And I told you this. I said, it's like Vegas. He's got all his chips. And I thought Josh McDaniels putting all his chips into Jimmy G's corner. He's betting his future on Jimmy G. 
That's what I said. I truly believe that. And look, guess what he did? He hit snake eyes and he's losing his chips. Here's my issue with Jimmy G. I'm not going to even talk about the injury because I'm not going to take a victory lap over someone getting hurt. No, right? we already not. knew what his injury. We already knew what Jimmy G's injury history was. My problem with Jimmy G is he's not what was advertised. He was Correct. advertised as this efficient quarterback who's going to take care of the football, right? He leads the league in interceptions. He's doing anything but taking care of the football. And that's before he got hit in the head late in the game. I played the clip on my Bleacher Report live stream. It was, I believe it was the hit from Minka Fitzpatrick that probably put him in concussion protocol. Before that even happened, he threw, he threw picks. Like I said, he leads the league right now in interceptions. This is not the Jimmy G that was advertised as that high-level game manager who once, if the game is close, is going to put you over the top. This is the Jimmy G. This is a version of Jimmy G that's going to cost you or lose you the game. So which is the complete opposite of what he was supposed to be. And I and I said this again. I'm going to say it now. Different team, different supporting cast, different results. Of course. Yeah. And not only that, but you talk one of the interceptions against Pittsburgh uh, it, it's easy to watch the film after the fact. We're not the guy on the field making the split-second decision. But he had two receivers open, including one that probably could have broken for a touchdown. So, again, it shows a decision-making process or a lack of vision on the field right now. I don't know why. Can't explain it. But that's just how it is. So so it's it's you have coaching miscues again, as I call it, coaching malpractice. And Jimmy G is a flop so far. So you have that. And I know all the people who wanted to keep Derek Carr are doing victory laps over that, and that's fine. But at the end of the day, it hurts your team. So we'll see what happens. All right, Mo, we're going to take a break, and then I'm going to come back with Ryan and talk a little bit about the Chargers. And then after that, we'll get back with Mo. We'll close out the show, talk about the Charger game and anything else that might be on his mind. Uh, And uh, we'll also plug all the stuff coming up this weekend. That's right. Bleacher Report Lives. You got other stuff going on. We'll talk about that when we come back. All right. You're listening to Silver and Black today, not a C original podcast. Also heard on the bet in Las Vegas. Don't go anywhere. What up, y'all? It's your boy Danny Green, three time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never before told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back. Silver and Black today. This is uh, the game day edition. That's right. We're getting geared up for the Raiders going down to Los Angeles SoFi Stadium to take on the Los Angeles Chargers. And by the way, Mo will be back. Mo Moten stepping out for just a minute. And uh, we're going to welcome in our guests now. And when we want to talk about the Chargers or the Rams, we only go to one place. And that is the, the LA Football Network. Ryan Dyrud, who joins us now. Uh, Ryan, let's talk a little bit about the Chargers. So, I mean, listen, uh, Sunday, this past Sunday, 
the defense holds in a goal line situation, right? That's new this year for the Chargers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they win a big game in Minnesota, a game they really needed to have. Uh, talk about a little bit the feeling f- around this team coming out of that. Obviously, the offense has been putting up big numbers and did again, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But uh, Brandon Staley gambles again. Crazy. Mm-hmm. This guy, I, I, it's it's crazy to just watch this. But anyway, he gambles again, but this time the defense comes up big. Uh, what's the feeling around the Chargers? Such high expectations as there has been for several years, uh, but they got this win. How bad did they need the win, and how much has it meant for not only the Chargers and Staley, but also the fan base there? Well, Scott, first, thanks for having me. As always, always great catching up with you and, and love your work, so I always love doing these <laughs> weekly clashes. But the feeling is... <laughs> a huge <laughs> sigh of relief because as you alluded to this was an absolute must win you know i think we're seeing through 3 weeks that this dolphins team in miami is is pretty dang good and so you know didn't like seeing the defense give up 36 points but hey a 36 34 race as it will you know you can kind of swallow that now seeing how good the dolphins are that week 2 loss was was much more of a gut check because that was a game these chargers absolutely should have won um, they had opportunities at the end. The defense had an opportunity to stop them before, you know, having to go over overtime and they weren't able to get it done. And then Minnesota, yeah, they were an 0-2 team, but I think this was a battle of two of the best unbeatens in football. When you look at the Chargers and Vikings, both being 0-2, both being playoff teams last year, you know, their head coaches are best friends, both sat at the same table at Coach Sean McVay's wedding. So a, a nice, fun rivalry there. And, and you know, Justin Herbert, Keenan Allen played absolutely lights out. Uh, you know, we could get into the running game, which I wasn't a huge fan of how they kind of abandoned that. But when, when Herbert's slinging at 40 or 47, you, you know, you, you go with what's working and the defense, as you alluded to finally came up big, big goal line stand, uh, Staley gambles on that fourth down on their own 24 yard line. Unfortunately, the gamble didn't pay off. I actually didn't hate the decision, but I know a lot of people did. But he put it on the backs of his defense, and they came up big at the end there. So, you know, it was one of those where they were able to finally buck the trend of, of charging, if you will, after the last kind of three weeks dating back to the Jacksonville game and, and get back in the win column. So, whew, big relief, <laughs> Chargers land, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, Brandon Staley is not one for uh, people who have weak stomachs. That is to be certain. He is a polarizing figure in the NFL because of that. A lot of folks, a lot of coaches, a lot of, uh, I think, people respected around the NFL who comment on the NFL continue to hammer him for it. Uh, but but it certainly worked for him in this situation. You talked about and mentioned the run game in the offense with the Chargers. Clearly, Justin Herbert just you know, doing what he's doing. He's the second highest paid player in the NFL for a reason, and he continues to, to put up the big numbers. Uh, he's been missing Austin Eckler for the last two weeks, unknown as we record this, uh, if he'll be back, doesn't look like it, right? But not only that, to your point, you miss a big piece like that, it's always going to hurt you, right? But in Minnesota, and we've seen this a couple times this season, it seems as though they go away from the run very quickly. That puts all the pressure on Justin Herbert, who, who stood up and did it, right? He, he did what he had to do, uh, but that's not always sustainable, depending on how the game unfolds, depending on matchups and whatnot. What's going on there with the running game? Why do they move away from it so quickly? And what's the answer for them to, to maybe commit to it more and make that offense a little more balanced? Yeah, it, it's a great question. And, you know, back in my glory days of high school, I played receiver. So you think I would love this aired out at all times, but I, I'm more of a, 
uh, I guess, an old spirit where I'm all about the running game. You know, we cover the Rams too, and you see Sean McVay completely abandon the run uh, in that Monday night game uh, against yeah. the Bengals, and and the Chargers did this against Minnesota, a Minnesota team that gave up 250 plus yards to the Eagles just the week before. And granted, the Eagles are a great running team, but when you see 250 yards in one category, you should probably go after that style of gameplay and style of offense. And you know, Scott, I don't know. I love Kellen Moore. I love the hire. I think he's a great offensive mind. But we, you know, we saw times in Dallas even where with that double-headed attack with Zeke and Tony Pollard, great rushing attack, and then all of a sudden they'd have Dak sling it 50 times. So it's this new mantra in the NFL. It's almost like, and I, I mean no disrespect because I say many times on my show, I'd never want to pretend to be smarter than these coaches because I'm not. But when you look kind of at common sense, it's almost like sometimes these coaches just want to buck the trend that they have to run the ball. Like they want to prove like I can beat you the way I want to beat you and not through doing it a simple way. Like they almost make it harder than it has to be. Now it helps having Justin Herbert and obviously it worked out for them in this game. And as you mentioned, no Austin Eckler, I did hear as of literally like 10 minutes ago, he is practicing in a small capacity today. Uh, now, I think he's still a ways off from playing, but at least he's padded back in practice. So maybe he's trending in the right direction. But, you know, when you have faith in guys like Joshua Kelly and Isaiah Spiller and Elijah Dotson, who had a tra- tremendous preseason and training camp, you know, you like to see more than, what was it, 15 carries. So, you yeah. know, I think those are one of those things you kind of have to get back to. And, you know, against this Raiders team, we'll see if they do that. But, you know, when you have the big arm quarterback and and you're paying him fifty two million a year, you know, maybe that's just why they decide, you know, this is what we're gonna do. And until you stop that, we're gonna just do it play after play. And how much of that, Ryan, has to do with the Chargers offensive line? We know they've only given up twenty four pressures. It's six best in the league. They're also tied with the Raiders of all teams for fifth best as far as pass protection goes. Is there issues up there? I know Lindsley's done well. I know Pipkin's doing well. Maybe uh, uh, at center, there's probably the weak spot there. But are they having issues up front running the ball? Or is it simply them just not committing to it? I think it's just simply them not committing to it. I mean, in week one, they ran for over 240 yards against the Dolphins. Um, Obviously, having Austin Eckler helped, and I think he broke one for like 50, so that always pads the stats a little bit overall. (laughs) But, you know, and then week two, I think they go up against a front in Tennessee – you know, Tennessee, for all their their shortcomings on offense, I mean, they have probably one of the most underrated defensive fronts in all of football. So, you know, it was a little tough sledding running, but I don't think that was a should have been detrimental to the psyche, I guess, of Kellen Moore and to this to this offensive line because this offensive line, you know, has played great through three weeks overall. And and I think they're if you ask any offensive linemen, they'd prefer to to block in the run game than they are in pass pros. So, you know, getting guys like Rashawn Slater and Jeremy. Sawyer and and Zion Johnson and and obviously you mentioned Lindsey and Pipkins. I think you want those guys moving bodies up front, making holes for these backs, and it, it gets you kind of into a rhythm, gets your offense in a rhythm, and also, you know, speeds the game up in a way that that keeps your defense off the field and a defense that has struggled. They looked better last week, but obviously we know all the storylines them struggling in two weeks, like. You probably want to make it so you don't have to have them on the field as much, and you do that with the running game. So. I don't know the exact reason for it. We'll see if it changes. Um, but I definitely don't think it has anything to do with the offensive line maybe playing at a, a lesser capacity than we expected. Um, so we'll see. You know, obviously going up against the Raiders defensive front is probably, you know, a little different. You know, Max Crosby, obviously, that's a storyline we'll get into, I'm sure. But outside of that, I don't, there's probably not a a huge it's probably leans more on the pro uh, pro side for the offensive line, is what I'm trying to say, outside oh, of yeah. Max Crosby. So they should be able to run the football on the on this team. 
yeah, the Raiders have not figured out how to pressure the quarterback yet, and that's not good when you have a quarterback who slings it like Herbert does. Now, um, the the defense. We talk about the defense. We talked about some of these these going dating back to last year, and of course, you know, I won't I won't be belittle or belabor. Excuse me, the the Jaguars game in the playoffs, but clearly, the defense has had trouble late in games. Um, uh, getting off the field against his team, but you have Bosa, you have Mac, you have uh, Tuli Tulipoloto, the the rookie who's doing really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yet they're giving up all this yardage on the ground. Now the Raiders, with the leading rusher in the league last year in Josh Jacobs, uh, they should be able to run the ball. They have not been able to run the ball, so they're probably looking at this Charger game and saying, "Wow, okay, finally we're going to face a team we should be able to run the ball against." What's the issue? up front there for the Chargers and being able to stop that run with all that talent they have up front. Yeah, it's so interesting um, because they do have all the talent in in the world. And you look at Sebastian Joseph Day also and Austin Johnson and Morgan Fox has played great. Um, One big thing before getting into kind of schematically and maybe gap integrity, but, you know, missing Eric Kendricks the last two weeks was certainly, certainly a big, um, you know, a big miss, if you will. You know, Kenneth Murray, I thought, played really well. Um, but when you you sign uh, Eric Kendricks, you let Drew Tranquil go in for agency because of it, and not having him those last two weeks, I think, certainly hurt and was detrimental to stopping the run because that's the big component of why they wanted to bring him in was was leadership, run-stopping ability, side-of-the-sideline presence, and, and whatnot. So so I think that is part of it. The other part, I don't know if it is just, if it's just gap integrity and just not, you know, holding your blocks or, or doing your job, you know, when you have so much star power sometimes, Scott, and you know, I'm not saying this from a from an aspect of actually talking to these guys face to face, but we've seen it before. When you have so much star power, you know, sometimes everyone wants to play hero ball in a way and not just do their defined role. If they're setting the edge, set the edge. If you're the A gap presence, set, make sure you're in that A gap. And I always go back to the story to last year's defense. And it's so interesting when you look at last year's defense because they were struggling across the board through the first half of the year. Their big turning point was that Miami game, kind of. And then they really, up until the Jacksonville game, the defense played different. And the the reason, as interesting as it is, is Derwin James, arguably the best safety in football, certainly probably the best player on this Chargers defense, got injured and goes out. And for whatever reason, the defense played better without Derwin James. <laughs> and I liken it to... They found out like, okay, we can't just rely on this all world guy or we can't all be running all around kind of with like chicken to their head cut off. We have to be gap sound. We have to do our job exactly. And when they did that, they were very successful. So I think part of that in this run defense is maybe guys just not sticking to their exact mantra of what they're supposed to be and trying to do either too much or relying on someone too much instead of just focusing on what's ahead of them. So we'll see if they get that straightened out. Uh, I thought the secondary was better. Last week, I know we haven't got to that part yet, but it certainly mm-hmm. wasn't great still. But when you play Justin Jefferson, you're only going to slow him down so much. And they stopped him in the first quarter, and then he took over after that. But but I think it's just more you know focusing on your job at hand. Yeah, and, and it's interesting because you you now we we turn kind of the page and we look at this matchup between these two teams. The Raiders on offense coming in. This was a team that has the the fifth most cap dollars devoted to the offense. This is why Raider fans are tearing their hair out right now. And of course, Jimmy Garoppolo in the concussion protocol as we speak, not sure he will play, which adds another dynamic, but he's been playing and he hasn't been playing well. 29th ranked offense, clearly not playing well. Uh, But you look at the Raiders, the strength that they've had in the past and should have now 
is that running game, which we just talked about. But in the passing game, too, Devontae Adams is there, but they've been one-dimensional, getting the ball only to him, Josh Jacobs out of the backfield, a little bit of Jacoby Myers, who missed a game, obviously, with a concussion as well. Uh, when you look at the matchup, you, you on both sides, both fan bases, if I'm a fan of the Raiders, I'm like, okay, Chargers are weak against the run. we got to get a run game going. And if I'm the Chargers, I'm saying – well, these guys aren't moving the ball at all, so this should help us. And if we can key in on Devontae Adams and he's not going anywhere else with the ball, then we should have a good day. What do you see with this matchup and the advantages and disadvantages on the Chargers side? Yeah, it's a great, you know, great que- question and great thought. And, you know, you would think when you look at all the weapons or you know, I never want to sound offensive, but or lack thereof that the Raiders have currently, you would think that they would be able to, you know, kind of key in on Devontae Adams, whether it's a double team, whether it's playing more kind of zone and you know, having a nickel guy over the top or just keeping your safeties deep or whatnot, and at least able to slow him down, which even in, in years past, they've had some success and not completely stopping him, but, you know, keeping him somewhat in check, if you will. And, and then basically being able to key in on this run game as that I think would be the big biggest factor in kind of moving the ball on this on this overall defense. And another big thing, Scott, that I think helped last week in the secondary, particularly, is the first two weeks they were kind of going through this this four man rotation in corners. And Jalsir Taylor is was kind of the unquestioned starter, as maybe people are surprised by that, but he was kind of your unquestioned, more kind of your slot nickel corner. And then Asante Samuel Jr., Mike Davis. And JC Jackson were all kind of vying for those final two spots. So they kind of were doing this rotation. And in football, any position you play, you really truly need, you know, consistency. You need to get that lather. You need to have that reliance on who's going to be next to you, you know, play in and play out. And we saw that, you know, particularly in that Titans game, that miscommunication and that Traylon Burks deep ball that, you know, allowed them to come back and and tie that game. And it was just a total miscommunication on the back end. And and last week, JC Jackson was a healthy scratch whether that was for off the field stuff that came out or, or just football reasons, they stuck with their three guys. And I think it showed a subtle improvement. So I think having that consistency will help. And if they're able to have that consistency going against a dynamic receiver like Devonte Adams, it will at least allow them to keep him in check. Again, you're not going to fully keep him out of the stat sheet. It, when push comes to shove, I will always take Devonte Adams over a corner, probably to take over a game, but I think they'll be able to at least keep that in check and then really turn their, focus on Josh Jacobs and that run game. So I don't know if that really answers your question, but I think that's kind of the necessary <laughs> evil of what they'll have to do. Yeah, you no, it absolutely does. And I mean, you look at the the other side of the ball now, the, the Chargers uh, uh, and, and the offense going against this Raiders defense, which, you know, the Raiders defense overall uh, not performing well, especially up front, not pressuring the quarterback. They do have some nice pieces. Uh, the Nate Hobbs uh, uh, matchup with Keenan Allen will be one to watch. It'll be fun to watch, I think. Uh, but you look at that and you say to yourself, okay, the day that Justin Herbert had in Minnesota, coming home to face this 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 Raiders defensive front, um, he's got to be licking his chops a little bit. And I know these two teams, no matter where they are in the season, no matter where their rosters are, for some reason, they always seem to play close games. The The teams always seem to play down to one another, whoever is a better team at the time. It, it's really interesting to me. But but talk about this offense. If they do get Eckler back, which it's iffy, right? Uh, to your point about him practicing, at least limited. Um, what What is this for, like for them? Are they, are they salivating? Are they just ready? to go with this one? Yeah, Scott, you know, I, I think you, you kind of have to be and you see what this offense has been able to do 
uh, throughout three weeks. You know, certainly that hasn't been the overall issue for this team. I thought Justin Herbert's played really well last week, as we alluded to, 40 to 47, 405 yards, three touchdowns. Um, hasn't thrown an interception yet this season. And, you know, again, like kind of said in the very beginning, if you can get the running game going a little bit too, it just adds another facet to this offense that makes it so dynamic and what everyone talked about in this offseason, adding Kellen Moore, why there's so much excitement around this team and the potential of them being a true Super Bowl contending team. So, you know, looking at this this Raiders defense that, you know, I think at times has played well, but maybe hasn't played an offense of this necessarily firepower. And you see what you get with Keenan Allen, you know, these past two weeks has been unbelievable. Now, the big thing that we haven't mentioned yet is obviously the big loss of Mike Williams, you know, going down with yell injury, you know, out for the year now. And when Quentin Johnston was drafted in the first round, when Darius Davis was drafted in the fourth round, going to QJ first, there was a lot of chatter is, is this kind of the Mike or Mike Williams replacement? Now I thought Mm. they, Size-wise, we're the same, but I think they have enough differences. You know, QJ's a little faster, a little better route runner, can do more stuff kind of out of the backfield uh, than Mike. But but they are, do have similarities, I guess, in play style and size. So this is your first true test in, okay, this draft pick may have not been to replace, but it certainly was to assist in if this injury were to happen, which unfortunately Mike Williams has had a pretty injury-riddled career so far in the NFL. So, you know, he's been... I don't want to. He hasn't been involved in the offense, Scott, in terms of mm. you know pitches and uh, showing up in the stat sheet. But he's been involved in terms of actually being on the field, running routes. His, his yard per separation is one of the highest in the league, so he's been getting open. He's been doing everything right. Um, for whatever reason, Justin Herbert's basically just been thrown at Keenan Allen. So, so now though he'll he'll need to kind of look Quentin Johnston's way and be able to utilize him just because, you know, he's missing that other big body of Mike Williams. And then the other guy, Joshua Palmer, who basically became pseudo wide receiver one last year when both Mike Williams and Keenan Allen were both injured and, and, you know, played well, but just wasn't a true wide receiver one. It was kind of unfair for him, but now he'll kind of slide into that wide receiver two spot. And so far the season has played well. And, you know, I don't expect this offense to, you know, this is no disrespect to Mike Williams, but I don't expect him to miss a huge beat um, just because of the talent and the depth they built in that room for situations like this to occur. So, yeah. you know, typical in Chargers fashion, already big injuries early in the season, Crazy. Um, but we'll see how they overcome going against this defense. Yeah. Parham at tight end too is uh, uh, doing well as well. Just a, a nice player, uh, I think. And and for folks in my fantasy leagues, they keep picking them up. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> you look at that. The last thing I want to talk to you about is, is, is not to do with the football side of it. It's to do again, with the stadiums. Now, this is what's ironic because you've been dealing with answering questions about the Chargers and the fans and all that kind of stuff for since they moved back to Los Angeles. But what's interesting, and I'm starting to see this all over the country, not just in these two venues, but last week for Sunday Night Football in Las Vegas, Raider fans and last year very upset because so many opposing fans are coming to Las Vegas. Surprise, it's Las Vegas, right? If you're going on a road trip with your buddy to see your favorite NFL team, where are you going to go? You're going to go to a nice destination spot, whether it's Los Angeles with a nice new stadium in SoFi or Las Vegas, of course. So it's happening. Now we're going to Los Angeles to see the Raiders play, and it's going to be, you know, 50%, 60% Raider fans. Now you saw uh, Saturday night, this past Saturday night, Ohio State and Notre Dame. 40% of the people at Notre Dame Stadium were wearing red. As this secondary ticket market has gone crazy with money, 
uh, you're starting to see this all over the place and you're seeing it in Los Angeles. Do you guys, are you, are you seeing it more with the Rams too, or is it, is it more so the chargers or is it kind of a mix of the two? Oh, it's a very even mix. Rams fans would admit that, but if you saw the Niner game, uh, just <laughs> last week and any Niner game here, it's, it's all red. So, um, you know, it, it, part of it's to do with the market, part of it's to do with, no teams here for 21 years. Part of it's to do with, you know, when you just talk about Raiders and Niners, there was a huge culture here in LA when there were no teams. And so those were the teams that, that fans, you know, kind of flocked to, if you will. Mm. And so, um, you know, that, that doesn't just stop overnight. You know, Rams and Chargers have been here now seven and six years, I believe, respectively. So it's going to take, you know, a generation almost to kind of change that. But to your point, and this is this is my biggest kind of grievance to this conversation and not at all to you, but just nationally, is for whatever reason when this when this comes up as a conversation, it really only gets brought up as a LA problem, and then now Vegas is kind of getting in that full too. Yeah. But it happens everywhere. everywhere. I mean, Pit, uh, the Niners took over Pittsburgh in that in that first week one game of the Niners Pittsburgh game, and Pittsburgh is a stalwart NFL city. So fans just travel now. It's just the way it is. Whether you live there or not, fans travel. LA is a little different because fans actually live here. I mean, I live. By more Niner fans than I do Rams fans. I live by more Raider fans than I do Charger fans. I mean, that's just the way Los Angeles, the fabric is still in LA is just the way that people lived here for 21 years. I moved here in 08. There were no teams here for eight more years while I lived here going to college. And so we would go to Niner bars or we would go to Bronco bars or Seahawk bars. So it's just the way it was. It takes time. But I, yeah, I just don't get why it's always only a, an LA and Vegas conversation, but you see it everywhere. I mean, even the Cowboys see it in their stadium in Dallas. So yes. It's, yeah. just, it's just the way it is now. And it's interesting because when you talk to fans, they get so upset about it. And I understand why, because you love your team. You want your you want your fan base to show out and have that home field advantage. And I'm actually working uh, on a story up on sportsnot.com about this whole thing nationwide, because you're right, Ryan. It's not an L.A. and just a Vegas thing. You're starting to see it in college football, in pro football, even in baseball, right? You go to some baseball mm -hmm. games and you see it. I mean, I lived in San Diego growing up, so I used to see Dodger fans come down all the time because that was proximity. But you're starting to see it as people on a weekend series in any city in the country. If it's a nice city people want to go to, sorry, Cleveland, um, then <laughs> uh, you're going to see people show out. So it's, it's really interesting. Uh, last question before I let you go, and I know we kind of started with this a little bit, but you look at this game, obviously every AFC West game is big. Every game in the NFL is big, but it's an AFC West rivalry. It goes back to the AFL days. Um, Brandon Staley, uh, with all that has been spoken about his risk taking and all this stuff, um, what does he have to do? Does, is, is he on a hot seat at all here or is the Spanos family okay with Brandon Staley as long as they don't get bounced and don't make the playoffs? Uh, what does his future look like and his longevity as far as his security goes? Yeah, it's it's a great question. I think he's definitely on a, a warm seat. It would have been hotter had he gone 0 and three, but winning that game definitely cooled it a little bit and and able to kind of get back to okay, focusing now on getting the first one out of the way. Um, but no, it, it's certainly a, a warm seat. You know, I said in the before the season started, Scott. You know, I thought this was a kind of divisional round at least or bust. I don't think if they if they didn't at least win one playoff game, uh, there'd be some real conversations about moving on. Um, you know, I've been a big Brandon Staley is a supporter. Um, I think culturally he's done a lot of good things. Now, you can say the culture's changed, but when you look at the how it actually happens on the field, can you really say it's changed? You know, that's an, uh, a subject up for debate. Um, I personally think it has, but yeah, seat's definitely warm. The, the, the city and the fan base is very probably 
60% ready to move on. Now that mm. can obviously change in, in two weeks if they win this game and go into their bye two and two and, and then win again. Like that can change very quickly. We know how fans are and and rightfully so. But as of right now, I think that the fan base is a little more ready to move on and, and not to get long-winded. But I think that more stems not even from wins and losses, but more stems from him being a defensive guy and the defense is still having the biggest issues yeah. of this team. And yeah. so that's what's got to be fixed the most of the next couple of weeks. Yeah, very interesting um, uh, comparison here, too, because obviously Raider fans are about 80% want to get rid of Josh McDaniels already. <laughs> um, and now Josh McDaniels, though, has a reputation that has preceded him. And not only that, but the, the Raiders are one in five over their last six games dating back to last year. So when you start to think about that, uh, and oh, by the way, he's an offensive guru and your offense is 29th. So, so similar to Staley, just on the other side of the ball. So it's going to be real interesting to watch these two uh, folks with Ohio roots. Of course, Brandon Staley went to the University of Dayton. Um, mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to watch this game. And either way, I think it'll be a battle. We'll see uh, how it all unfolds. But we certainly appreciate you being with us. And we also make sure you fire Ryan. You know, a lot of a lot of folks that follow the Raiders, although they hate the Chargers and the Rams, of course, they are USC fans or UCLA fans, LA fans, because there's so many Charger fans in LA that uh, mm. you need to file. Uh, f- excuse me. Follow. Let me get it out. Uh, Ryan Dyrud, LAFB on X.com. Man, thank you so much. And I'm sure we'll catch up with you down the road as uh, the Chargers get to Las Vegas later in the season. Absolutely, man. Thanks so much. Always a pleasure. And uh, keep up the great work. Glad to be uh, working with you more. All right. I appreciate that. All right. We're going to step aside. I'll get Mo back on and he will join us for the final segment here of Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast. Also heard as you're listening to us over the radio on The Bet in Las Vegas. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back. It is time for the final segment here on this edition of Silver and Black Today. Mo and Scott Colbranson back with you. Uh, Mo slides back in. want to thank Ryan Dirud for being with us. Uh, LA Football Network, also part of the Sports Knot family now, by the way. So welcome to him and the team over there. Great. If you want to learn anything, not just about pro football in Los Angeles, but they cover USC. In fact, Ryan's going to Colorado this weekend to cover the USC and Colorado game. Uh, but check them out at LA Football Network. Good stuff. Um, Mo, we, we talked there about the Chargers and you heard some of the conversation. Uh, obviously, their offense and what they're doing. They're, Austin Eckler still up in the air. We don't know if he's going to play. He's been out for two games. Uh, but Justin Herbert is just doing things out there on the football field that the Raiders should be worried about. Um, the offensive line for the Chargers, while they haven't been great for the run, they are tied with the Raiders on pass protection of the quarterback. They're giving him time to wheel and deal. Uh, when you look at this team, and let's start there, let's start with that Charger offense against this Raiders defense, which is still trying to find itself. Um, what worries you most? Giving Justin Herbert too much time which was my worry last week against the Steelers, which is my worry against Josh uh, Allen, which is my worry against Russell Wilson. The Raiders still have to find a pass rush. I know they signed Malik Reed, who's a former Denver Bronco, to the practice squad. But Malik Reed hasn't been productive for a couple or a few years now. And the one thing I will say, and I put this in my Sports Not column on Thursday, which you can read, it's up now live. Um, the one thing I did like about the Raiders' defense against the Steelers is that Malcolm Kuhn started to flash a little bit. It was mm. the first time in that game of this season that the Raiders had another defender other than Max Crosby with more than two quarterback hurries. So in the first two games, it was Max Crosby and other guys with like one quarterback hurry or two. 
Malcolm Kuntz had three quarterback hurries against the Steelers. So he's, I know it's a small step. These are baby steps. But I'm hoping that the light bulb is starting to go off in his third year. So that's what I'll be watching to see if Malcolm Kuntz can take another step. I know he got nicked up in that Steelers game, but I'm looking for him to take another step because the Raiders reduce Tyree Wilson's role. A lot of people were asking me on my Bleach Report Live after the Steelers game, where was Tyree Wilson? Well, he only played 11 snaps. That's probably why I didn't see him. He played so, 11 snaps, but but you got to give him credit because I did watch that film and he looked better. I'm not saying he's anywhere near he need, needs to be. But I think if we go back and you listen, you roll back the tape on this show. If I'm correct, Mo, I think you said by week four or five that you would take a more critical eye view on him. Isn't that correct? When Matt Holder was on with us, I think yeah. we all agree that by midseason is when you can kind of start to dissect his game and be like, this is where he should be. I think within the coming three, four weeks, it's going to be crucial for him in his development because now it'll be like a month or two into him just having experience on the field, being on the pro level and getting those those snaps. But I, I think for now, the guy that you want to pay attention to is Malcolm Kuntz and hope that yeah. Tyree Wilson eventually overtakes him and takes most of the snaps because the Raiders still desperately need a pass rush. And if you give Justin Herbert time, just like any other solid, good, above-average quarterback, he's going to carve you up. And the Raiders are going to have to, regardless of what happens, the Raiders are going to have to score points. And I said at the beginning of the show, they haven't scored more than 18 points in the game yet. So if they're going to beat the Chargers, they're going to have to be in the 20s. We'll see how they get uh, yeah, there. I would think so. And, I mean, Justin Herbert, 40 of 47. Now, I'm not saying the Vikings are the Dallas Cowboys on defense, <laughs> but but still, 40 of 47, that's damn hard to do. You're throwing that many passes and you only miss seven. That's pretty crazy. Of course, they, the Chargers lost Mike Williams, but they still have Keenan Allen uh, and, and and Josh Palmer, absolutely, who did a great job last year stepping in for them. So so it's going to be a full day. The one thing I will say this, too, about Mo, and we didn't have a chance to talk about this yet, which is what I saw the Raiders and Patrick Graham do last week because of the lack of pass rush and because of the double teaming on Max Crosby, they moved him around a lot. I don't know if you noticed that watching the All-22. Yeah. They moved him around a lot, which sucks because they shouldn't have to do that but they are to try to free him up a little bit it seemed to work a little uh against the Steelers I think we're going to see that again unless Malcolm Coots comes out and just is blowing people away that charger line especially on the left side is pretty dang good so so they're going to have to do something creative at least you see them trying to make adjustments there they had him shooting those interior gaps a lot yeah. right through the middle of the, of the Steelers' defense. What I will say is that's a sign of how bad the interior of the Raiders' defensive line is when it comes to getting pressured on the quarterback. If you have to move Max Crosby over the center and guard, that tells you that your defensive tackles, your interior guys, aren't getting the job done. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we switch sides of the ball now, offense. Uh, we still don't know. I mean, late Wednesday, the word was that Jimmy G still in the protocol but progressing. I don't know what that means. I guess that means that he's. they have some hope that he'll come out of the protocol and be able to play Sunday. Um, what's interesting here, though, and of course, I did a silver and black blitz yesterday on, on Aiden O'Connell and the fact that if, if Jimmy G can't go, then you need to start him. Uh, but we're hearing a lot of indications, even though at the press conference yesterday, someone asked Josh McDaniel, said, hey, in the past when this has happened, you've gone with the younger player. Are you going to do that again? Kind of basically is the gist of it. And he was noncommittal, uh, but we're hearing a lot that it would be Brian Hoyer. Um, you're with me on this, right? And most of Raider Nation, that if 
if and I think you talked about it on your Bleacher Report live last night, actually. Um, if 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 he can't go, if Jimmy G can't go, why not put the kid in there? Right. What do you I mean, what do you have to lose at that point? You know, I know the game, but is Brian Hoyer really going to go score for score, drive for drive against Justin Herbert? <laughs> the Chargers offense is rolling. No, he's not. Yeah. We already know what Brian Hoyer is. He's a journeyman backup quarterback. Yeah. He's one or two years away from retirement. We don't know what Aiden O'Connell is. Who knows? Maybe Aiden O'Connell has a great ceiling. What if he is a starter in this league? We don't know yet until you put him out there on the field. And I say let the kids sink or swim against the Chargers defense that isn't very good either. And I, I'm, I'm one to talk because the Raiders defense, you know, <laughs> we, we've seen it. But the Chargers pass defense is one of the three worst pass defenses in the league. This is a good time to put your rookie quarterback out there. You're not putting him out there against the Steelers or, or the Cleveland Browns defense. Yeah. You're putting them out there against the Chargers defense has given up a lot of points. Why not they, roll the dice on the kid? And, Mo, they've given up almost 800 yards to wide receivers this year. You think Devontae Adams is licking his chops if he has a quarterback back there? Um, but the thing with Hoyer, this is the last thing I'll say about Hoyer because I know Raider Nation doesn't have any love for the guy, and it's not his fault. Uh, he's, he's, no. he's a good dude and a good person to have in the locker room. But the difference is, look, put you start Aiden O'Connell. If Aiden O'Connell struggles, like really struggles – you still have Brian Hoyer to put in the game, right, before it gets out of hand. I mean, you could still do that. Uh, but also Brian Hoyer's value is if you have Jimmy G, this is why he's the number two quarterback. And let's say you're out there and Jimmy G gets hurt and it's a close game or you're up by a score. He can manage the game. He's going to come out there. He's a wily veteran. He's calm. He's not going to freak out. He's not going to have turnovers. Um, and that's what he's there for. So – to me, this is a different situation. If Garoppolo cannot go and he goes with Hoyer, to me, that'll be like, wait a minute, you traded up to get this kid. Why would you not try it out? So we'll see what he does uh, unless Garoppolo does get healthy in time for Sunday, which could happen. Two things. So I just looked it up. The Chargers are getting up the most passing yards of any team in the league. That's number yep. one. Told right? You. Play the kid. Number two, my reasoning for playing Aiden O'Connell is not just, oh, he he's probably better than Brian Hoyer. It's you find out what he is because long-term you figure out, do I have to draft a quarterback in 2024? Right. Is Aiden O'Connell good enough to be our starting quarterback beyond 20, the 2023 season? And again, the only way you're going to figure that out is if he plays a football game. Right. And also, I as I said yesterday on the Blitz, sometimes that young gun comes in. And just gives you a new energy. Like, like, you know, we saw it in the preseason a little bit, but it's preseason, so it doesn't count. It's sometimes you just, that, that weird change of pace. We saw it. There's some guy in New England who took over for Drew Bledsoe. Same thing kind of happened at first. Now, he went on to have a great career. But even at that moment, we've seen it a million times where that can happen. And so, so I, it would be interesting to see it. It seems like he's got the respect of the veterans, even though he's a young guy and unproven. And so we'll have to see if that's what they decide. All right, Mo, go ahead. You have something else to say? Quick, really quick. Even yeah. if you don't want to go the, the Brady route because Brady is just an anomaly, look yeah. at what happened with Kirk Cousins and RG3 when RG3 was banged up. Kirk Cousins took over fourth-round pick. Look at what happened with Tony Romo and Dak Prescott. Tony Romo yes. banged up, hurt his back, I believe. Dak Prescott takes over. So we're, we're not saying that you know, Aiden O'Connell's going to be Tom Brady, but we're saying no. that if he could be a starter, a solid starter, it's a start for this Raider team, especially if he's taking care of the football better than Jimmy Garoppolo is right now. 
especially for the future, because everybody, everybody, including Jimmy Garoppolo, know that he is not the franchise quarterback moving forward. He is the guy right now. And if you have a quarterback in O'Connell who goes out there and plays and shows that he can be a top-line starter, and I say top-line starter, meaning as a rookie, be in the middle of the pack and then rise to become better and be your starting quarterback for the next several years, then that's huge for you. That means that you went down in the fourth round and got a guy who's going to start in the NFL on a rookie contract, by the way, which is great, and you can go fix the rest of your needs because you got lots of them. So uh, I'm fascinated to see what happens. Now, this could all be moot because of Garoppolo. Garoppolo, And listen, I want Jimmy Garoppolo to be healthy. I don't want anybody, especially with a head injury, I don't want anybody to have a head injury. So God bless him. I hope he's okay. Um, And he plays. If he plays, though, and he doesn't play well, then what? Then there's the other question, but we'll get we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Uh, Mo, what's going to happen with this game? I I cannot pick the Raiders in a game at this point because I just can't see past what I've seen the last two weeks. So how can you now? I think they'll score points against the the Chargers, but then I thought they'd score points all season. They're 29th again, so I don't know what's going to happen with this game. Um, if I had to pick it, I would say the Chargers probably going to win by 10 points. And I know all the people will say, well, it's because you grew up a Charger fan. Bull, bull, bull crap. It just Uh, is what it is. Do you see it? I mean, how are they going to stop that offense? This is what I had on my Bleach Report betting column. I I think the Chargers are going to cover. It was five and a half in favor Mm -hmm. of the Chargers when I put out the column. I had the score as 30 to 21. So I also think the Raiders are going to score points. Yeah. But I do think they're going to lose by, you know, close to 10 points. I had to lose it by nine, but... The positive side is they score points. The negative side is they take another L and Raider Nation loses their you-know-what in the <laughs> post game, and, and everyone's yelling, fire everyone, because the Raiders lost their second home. But I, I'll say this. For the people out there listening, understand that the Chargers, while they have a head coach who's very questionable, I, I like Kellen Moore as an offensive coordinator, and I think Kellen Moore is starting to unlock more of Justin Herbert's abilities, and I think Justin Herbert, had he played – with a winning team, he would be talked about more as an MVP candidate because he's playing at that level right now. So understand you got Justin Herbert on one side and you have a big question mark for the Raiders quarterback on the other side. Raiders are just going to look like, it looks like the Raiders are going to be outgunned on Sunday, in my opinion. Yeah, it's it's tough to see it. Anything can happen. Maybe this team wakes up. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'll walk into it with 10% of my brain thinking, okay, maybe they wake up, maybe Garoppolo plays and suddenly he becomes at least closer without the supporting cast, the Garoppolo in San Francisco. And maybe look, the chargers run defense is awful. So if Josh Jacobs is, if Josh Jacobs doesn't run against the chargers, Mo, we're going to have a really tough conversation next week, because <laughs> if there's any team you can run against in the world, it's as the chargers. They're terrible against the run. Even Ryan said that in the last segment, they're not good against the run. They can't stop it against bad running teams, Minnesota. Scott, the skills were terrible against the running. Yes. Line. Yes. Not as bad as the Chargers. I, yes. I, I'm just saying, look, I, I, I sat here with you last week and I was fairly confident that the Raiders would be able to take care of the Steelers. They're struggling offense. And for them to put up the performance that they had Sunday night, mm. I, it, it made me look like an idiot. Because here I am telling people, me too. You know, the, the Raiders, the Raiders' offense is struggling, but the Steelers' offense is worse. Kenny Pickett goes out there and has his first multi-touchdown passing game of his career against the Raiders, <laughs> and it and it's just like, 
what are we doing? Josh McDaniels goes out and kicks a field goal inside the Steelers' 10-yard line, which we spoke about at length before we got on here. And that still fumes, burns my biscuits, whatever you want to say. It, it's just not winning football. And for right, and for, right. for it to end up like that against a team, again, that was struggling to score points like the Raiders, and now you're going against a quarterback who's playing well, how am I supposed to sit up here and tell fans, yeah, have faith that the Raiders are going to pull it out against a Chargers team that's putting up a lot of points. Have faith against the Chargers team as one of the top scoring teams in the league when the Raiders can't even score 20 in a game. Yeah, I can't do it. I can't. I'm not going to leave fans astray. I'm not going to blow unicorns and rainbows up people's buttholes. Not going to do it. This is a this is an objective show. And I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think the Raiders are going to come in with come out with a win. It just it, yeah. it doesn't add up unless Aiden O'Connell is that dude is not going to happen. Yes. I'm sorry. And and listen. It's always better for us. So, so for those of you who wonder, and I've said this before on the show, we don't, you know, because, because of podcasts, we don't have ratings like radio does. We have basically downloads. And so it would be better for us to be all rainbows and unicorns, even when things are going bad, because then the hope would be that more people would download the show, but we don't do that. We keep it real. And the feedback we get, of course, from most people is... That's why they listen to us. So we're going to keep it that way. We're always going to be that way. And I had a lot of people come at me on Twitter or X this this week saying, oh, remember when you were optimistic? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, well, guess what? I was wrong. Imagine being wrong, Mo. There are people in the world that are sometimes wrong. Here's the thing. People people will always find you when you're wrong either way. So that's why I prefer yeah. to just be honest. And I'll take the L if I'm wrong on something. You know, I, Of course. Look, as I said last week, I got up here and I said, I, I think the Raiders are going to win the game. We had Jared Bailey who got up here. And as a Steelers guy said, I think the Raiders are going to win the game. Yeah. And the Raiders pooped the bed. And yes. Josh McDaniels doesn't trust his offense. So how yes. can I sit up here now and give fans confidence to say, they're going to walk out with a victory on this one because the Chargers team that with their backs against the wall is still fighting to get back to 500. I can't do that. I'm not going to lead people astray. Not going to do it. Nope. No, I won't either. It's so funny you said crap to bed because I said that to uh, to Corey on our PSF uh, game watch on Sunday, and he was it was foreign to him. He didn't know what that meant. And like he's like actually crap to bed. I'm like yeah. Now we on that we're yeah. Raiders uncensored on that channel, so we actually can say the words, but. Um, it was too funny. It was too funny. Anyway, hilarity ensues. Uh, all right, my man. Uh, let everybody know. I know you have a Bleacher Report live after the game. You have one on Friday, too, or what's the deal? No Bleacher Report live until after the Raiders Chargers game. So I'll be with fans right after the game to break it down. Whatever happens, happens. I know I just got up here and railed how I can't sell you rainbows and unicorns. But I will say <laughs> I have a positive Sports Night article up saying – there are three things that I saw in the Raiders' defense against the Seals that I actually liked. And, of course, this ah. goes with the theme of the season of what does Mo want to see more of? And there are three things that I want to see more of. If you want to know what that is, check it out on Sports Night. The article has been tweeted or posted on X, whatever you want to call it. So if you want some positivity, you can head over there and look at what the Raiders did well on defense against the Steelers. Now, you said you're you have no problem taking the L when you're wrong, right? Right. I don't. I don't think that's true because you still will not accept the fact that ketchup doesn't go on hot dogs. It's just you won't accept it. I've shown you evidence. the 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 response is overwhelming against you, and you still won't take the L. Overwhelming. You, you said when you put up those questions, you sent all your 
non-ketchup, anti-ketchup minions after me <laughs> to filibuster that whole thing and, and think that and think that you're going to get away with that. Like, uh, listen, there have been so many posts. I think there was one. I think it was Mike McCarthy who works in the NFL office posted a hot dog with ketchup and mustard. At a high school mustard. game, said, yes. Because he was going to hand it to his eight-year-old. Look, ketchup <laughs> and mustard can coexist. I don't I, look. On I don't hamburger, mind ketchup. Yes. Okay, so what's the difference if it's on a hamburger and a hot dog? What's the difference? <laughs> well, we'll save that for another conversation. Uh, all right, <laughs> you have that. By the way, Mo's Mo's positive piece on Sports Not about the Raiders defense. Check it out. That ran this morning, and then this afternoon, I had the opposite side, which was negative. <laughs> so, if you want a little yin and yang. I just talk a little bit about what was said this week and how the Raiders are underperforming and we got the Garoppolo flop, all that stuff. So you'll get both sides of the coin. See, it's called, it's called, it's called, uh, um, evenness. Not to drag it out, but our guy Stoic Raider on X said I needed a stiff avocado shake or smoothie after our last show. Cause he could tell like I was down and angry after the Raiders, uh, lost to the Steelers, especially with the decision that Joshua Daniels made. I, Stark Raider, if you listen to this show, if you're listening, let me know where I am on the angry to down sad meter with you. There you go. There you go. That's better than what I had. So doing, and by the way, you can catch Mo uh, post game, as he said, on the Bleacher Report live app. We'll have our post game show too after that. But then um, during the game, Corey and I will be back for our second show. Corey had some technical issues to start out, too, but we got it all squared away. And um, the problem was I was drinking bourbon when I was doing the thing with Corey because Corey's doing other things, right? And by the time I got to the postgame show, I had some people on YouTube that are like, have you, have you, how much have you had to drink? And I'm like, not that much. Come on, guys. I think it was just because I was a little, my face was a little more red since I had some alcohol. Uh, which we obviously don't do when we do this show, but uh, but it was fun. But we had fun on that app, man. We had some good folks. Raider27, uh, who's on our YouTube channel all the time, was on there. A bunch of new folks uh, coming on. So it was good. It was good fun. And uh, we we had a lot of fun. We had some some strange conversations, as you can imagine. But everybody seemed to enjoy it. So make sure you download the free uh, Pro Sports Fan app, wherever you get your apps, and um, join us throughout the game. It goes by fast. It, it was good watching the game with Corey. You know, usually I'm in my own little studio here working for Sports Not covering Sunday football. And then for the Raider game, I'm by myself. I'm texting you and Evan most of the time during the games. And now I get to sit next to Corey online and, and chat with people. It's pretty funny. Shout out to Big Corey for bringing out Saucy Scott for the for that show. It was brought saucy. the saucy version of Scott. I, I yeah, like that. It was Shout 125 proof barrel strength bourbon man it was i probably should have went a little lighter <laughs> sitting here by myself drinking with Corey, watching raider football and then going on and doing a show and writing a couple articles so there you go but it worked it was fine sounds like a good time it was a good time all right my friend we will next talk to you on tuesday and uh, we'll see what happens on Sunday. It'll be interesting uh, weekend leading in, and we'll find out about Garoppolo pretty soon. But uh, as always, a pleasure, my man. Sounds good. Hopefully I'm in a much better mood, right, Stoic Raider? We'll see. <laughs> Stoic, he's stoic. <laughs> he's, he's thinking about Marcus Aurelius, you know? He says what he does. I love that guy. Anyway, he's got a great handle and good stuff. Okay, for our producer, Mike Robier, who we thank very much for all of his hard work, 
Uh, for Mo Moten, I'm Scott Colbranson. This has been Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast, and heard on the bet in Las Vegas. Raider Nation, hang in there. Enjoy the game as much as you can. Sunday, maybe they'll surprise you. And we will be back on Tuesday. Take care.